I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. How about you? And welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about his comic, Kindred Homecoming, Todd Tochioka. Thanks so much for being with us, Todd. Hey, thanks, you guys. Uh, pleasure being here. It's uh, great to have you. Uh, I think this is probably the first episode we're recording where I, would we say it's officially summer? I mean, the calendar may not it actually say it, feels but, like it, but it doesn't feel like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm getting a summery vibe. Yeah. And so, I'm thinking over these next few retro roundtables, we ought to celebrate summer's arrival and we should start this week with summer movies makes sense to me talking our favorite summer movies and i think last summer we may have touched on this but who cares yeah so what <laughs> you do what we do you got a problem with it listen to another podcast yeah don't do that please keep no. <laughs> Uh, then we're going to uh, look into the comic vault. What do you got to talk about uh, there, Jake? Well, uh, last time I was talking about Karnak. Right, right. Uh, I went ahead and read the second issue because I need to know more about this total asshole with the power to cut things in half <laughs> with his, you know, index and middle finger. So. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm sorry. That that was my reminder to tell me that I was supposed to be on the show with you. <laughs> That's fantastic, because that gives us a reason to keep it in the episode. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to be giving my uh, spot in the comic vault to a little project that's on Kickstarter called The Misplaced. So I'll go over that once we get to it. And then uh, after all that, we're going to turn our full attention over to Todd and talk about Kindred Homecoming. So let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. Got it, dude. Spared no All right, guys. Summer movies. Uh, Todd, would you like to start? Uh, what's your favorite summer movie? Sure. Um, now, when you guys had mentioned that you were going to be covering summer movies, does it have to be something that I actually saw in a movie theater? Like, could it be no, something and, that I know, saw I'm, on TV? Absolutely. And I'm actually kind of glad you uh, you were you know kind of questioning the criteria because one thing I wanted to make clear that I forgot was uh, this encompasses not only movies that are summer-themed, but movies that are summer movies to you. Because a lot of the movies I have on my list may have just come out in the summer. Sure. Maybe like like Todd saying, I just saw for the first time on VHS during the summer, and therefore I associate it to a summer movie. So whatever comes to mind. We're looking for that middle part of the Venn diagram, too, yeah. where it's like you saw it in summer. It's a summer movie. Bam. Double dose yeah. summer. <laughs> summer square. <laughs> there you go. Wow. That's awesome. It's like summer, summer. That's right. Um, <laughs> to the power of summer. Love it. Um, yeah, actually, my favorite summer vibe movie would be Legend of Boggy Creek um, because it – you know, honestly, I don't even remember if the first time I saw it on syndicated TV was um, during the summer. All I remember was that it played like, you know, 
a couple times a year on the local channels. And um, I do remember when I was like maybe eight or nine, like watching that with some friends during the summer. And it would just have that kind of, it brings out that nostalgic feeling of, um, you know, longer days, um, watching a movie in the evening and the sun is still out. So you could still go right. play baseball or ride bikes or something, you know? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Uh-huh. Just hearing it described that way, taking me back, you know? When when uh, the time change happens and it starts getting dark at like oh. five again, it's just like such a weight on my soul. It's like, oh my <laughs> God, how am I going to get through the winter? Living this cursed half-life, you know? No kidding, right? Life is over at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much for me. <laughs> Jake, summer movie. Okay, so bear with me here because I'm about to commit a cardinal sin. Actually, before you go on, let me go uh, Closing extinguish the, the sound <laughs> yeah. of children laughter here. Oh, that's so summery, though. I, it is. That's true. <laughs> but it might just be a, a wrong kind of summary for this conversation. <laughs> it's a distractingly summary. I'm waiting for that electrical box to take one of them. <laughs> and we'll be able to witness it from the window. <laughs> from oh, the Canned Air Studio. <laughs> what a special episode that'll be. Canned Air presents <laughs> the first ever children, snuff right? podcast. No. No. <laughs> okay. no, we're not allowed to breathe. No. <laughs> Court order. <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, so I'm back about to the to, topic at hand. Yeah, I'm about to commit a cardinal sin and bring up a movie that should really be buried by the weight of time. Batman and Robin. Now, unjustifiable piece of shit. We're all. Oh, in a- you're talking George Clooney and Chris yeah, O'Donnell. That's right. Wow, Gar- I can see it. No, I get no, it. Yeah, yeah. But but I saw it at the drive-in, a summer evening, with like popcorn and like pizza we brought from home. Mm-hmm. You know, in the back of our old family car. It was just like a perfect moment. It was like cool out that evening. It had been hot all day. And like for the rest of my life, that'll always be like summer for me. Right. That's the moment that anchors that summer feeling. Like the next day we went to the pool and then we went on a vacation. It's just like all this summery stuff was clustered around seeing Batman and Robin, which was in retrospect atrocious but like as a young kid oh what how much it was so much fun to see it like at a drive-in sure and it's funny because when you know being that age and uh you know i was older than you were i was probably too old to be uh in, as into batman as <laughs> right. i was whatever but um as into it as i was it would be hard to be let down and i was severely let down yeah uh, yeah see uh here's one that uh this was a summer release and always makes me think of summer last action hero mm. Arnold nice. Schwarzenegger, remember that yeah, one? Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that conversation with the uh, the action figure that I'm looking at right now. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh man, I used to have this Arnold Schwarzenegger action figure. He had like a ripped red shirt and jeans and like weird white yeah, pointy toes. Term- Terminator. Yeah. Oh, what a nerd! <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> you're really giving it to me today, man. Come uh, on. How about Independence Day? Now that there we is go. a That's perfect the summer, summer movie. movie yeah, right? I, you know, I feel I like Independence Day. Oh yeah, but I feel like it's one of those movies that's great because the entire world. Got Got together and said, Independence Day is great. Like, the studios said, like, hey, everyone, this movie's awesome. You're like, I don't know. Maybe it was just okay. Like, wrong. This is a great movie. <laughs> you know, it's right. just like culturally we're at this point where we're like, yeah, Independence Day, shit rules. But not like on its own merit. It's just like that's right. the societal. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And uh, 
I mean, as huge a blockbuster as it was, it kind of falls in that category we were talking about, what was it, last week about Nicolas Cage? I think we were talking about <laughs> Con Air and yeah. uh, how, you know, it stays cool through its entire life, at least thus far, but sure. becomes cool in a different way. Yeah, yeah. More the, nostalgic, the perspective like, shifts. Let's watch a 90s movie yeah. kind of way, you know? Yeah. Not let's watch a good movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Todd, what about you? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. Nice. That's what a movie that keeps coming up in the conversation. I, I know, have not right? seen it. That oh, one. Yeah, we um, about that. I didn't see that one in the theater either. But um, do you remember, like before the days of cable TV, they had these. Um, uh, what was it called? It was like almost like home, like a, a home box office kind of idea you had this switch you hooked up to your television you changed your chan- um, channel to number three and turned on this box and like it would pipe in movies and whatnot yeah, and sporting those. events so um i saw fast times on that thing i think it was called like select tv or some gimmick like that and um i had recorded it with the with our vcr at the time and like yeah that's another like summer movie that i remember just you know, the neighbor kids coming over and we'd watch that and just have a good time laughing at that film. Uh, we weren't even in high school yet, so we just thought, like, wow, high school's just going to be fucking crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm so excited already. <laughs> I need to watch that movie. It's, it's, it's one of those classics, right? Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. Dang, I need to see it. Jake. It's got that combination of like upbeat, funny, farcical moments and like the sobering realities of like poor decisions. You're just like, oh god, <laughs> just pick a direction and stick with right. it. <laughs> and it was kind of shot throughout like um, the San Fernando Valley, yeah, like that parts of West area. LA. So yeah, and like, like I kind of grew up there, and um, so that was kind of fun. You know, you recognize some of these areas. You get that nice slice of, like, time and place all in one yeah. movie, you know? How about um, the first Iron Man? Oh, yeah. Always comes to mind, because that one kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it was a bombshell, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was big. It was crazy. I heard, like, oh, did you see Iron Man? I'm like, Iron Man? What are you, what are you talking about? Right. And I saw it, and I think a part of me realized from this point, like, oh, shit. Watching this, I'm like, oh, no, this changes things. Like, I got the impression this was going to be the future of my movie-going experience for a long time. Right. We're talking franchises, bringing in characters, universe building. And that's when it became the cool thing to do was build your cinematic universe. Right. Not only was it a bombshell, like, with ratings, but it really changed cinema in a big way. Oh, yeah. That movie did. That's how you make money now. Yeah. Comic book continuity. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? It's it's quite uh, the age to be living in. Oh, yeah. It's never like thought the golden age of being a dork. I'm right? a broken record saying I never <laughs> right. thought we'd see the day, but here we are. We say know. it every episode, but, but that's kind of the theme of our show. What stinks is we, we, we saw it be ushered in, and we're in the height of it. We're going to see it go out, too. We're going to mm, see that's it a good become point. taboo. Yeah. And uh, when it becomes taboo, guess what else comes becomes taboo? Yours truly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let me think. The foundation of our program. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing serious. Oh, we're screwed, folks. See you later. Okay, here's a few that uh, I think of. Early 90s movies. Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield. You guys remember (laughs) either of those? I remember seeing... Both of them. Yeah. 
the trailer or commercial or whatever you'd want to call it in that time for Angels in the Outfield before every VHS movie I ever rented. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never sat down and watched it. Oh, it was a smash. It oh, was I'm a sure. smash hit. And there was Rookie of the Year, too. I always wanted that kid's affliction in the movie. Like, he... Just to have that arm. Yeah. yeah he, he, like, <laughs> fell off a bike or a something and, like, onto his arm and messed it up and... A tendon would tighten just the right way and snap release so that he was fast and, or excuse me, pitching faster than any of the pitchers in the uh, NBL, MLB, what is it? Uh, MLB. MLB, yeah. Boy, I'm bad, I'm bad at sports. In I the NFL. At sports, yeah. Yeah. In the NFL, yeah. He's the best pitcher in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We come back to Todd. Um, well, since you brought up a couple baseball movies, um, yeah, I'll bring up Sandlot. Um, yes, classic. I um, I watched that last week, and I still laugh at that, uh, just at the ridiculousness of it, just because it's tied into baseball, too, and I'm such a baseball nerd. It's like, all right, yeah, it, it's a fun movie for sure. It, that it is, a perfect summer movie. But I, I, um, I personally, I, like I said, I don't know or like sports, but I love those summer baseball movies. Yeah. I do. They're, Something they're special great. about it. Yeah. I mean, I love. I like playing baseball. Sure. That, that's enough, right? It's the only sport <laughs> I ever played that like I enjoyed. When I was younger, I went through every sport in school. Like, yeah. oh, I want to play football. I, I enjoy play basketball. basketball. Not so much watching it anymore since the Chicago Bulls don't have Phil Jackson <laughs> coaching no more. But. I couldn't do basketball because the motion was constant. In baseball, I could run in short bursts and then just chill out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just chill out. <laughs> Sits down on the base, around. pulls a burrito <laughs> out of his pocket. Oh. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> But, oh, that's perfect. But you, you guys are in Ohio, though, right? Sure. Correct. Where are you at? Uh, I'm in Southern California between Long Beach and uh, Santa Monica now. But um, you guys wow. aren't uh, big fans of, like, the Cavaliers. and the, They got a good thing going over there. Everybody uh, that surrounds us yeah. is, but we, we're... Uh, so, like, by association, yeah, I guess. By association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not big sports people. Not so think. much. Yeah. But, yes, everyone does uh, slobber all over the balls oh, sure. that are the Cleveland <laughs> Cavaliers, yes. <laughs> the you heard it football. here, folks. <laughs> Slobbering on the balls. <laughs> How else would you put it? <laughs> no, man, that's, that's pretty accurate. Jake, oh, summer movie. The G.I. Joe movie, the animated G.I. Oh, Joe yeah. movie. Yeah, another episode now. Jesus We're going to have to end on that song. I know, right? Uh, you found out my secret. I want as many of our episodes as possible to end with the G.I. Joe. And I'm Joe happy thing. with that. Yeah. I don't care. I love the song. Oh, I love it. I love that extended version of the opening song they do in the beginning when they're mm. like rappelling down the Statue of Liberty or something crazy. <laughs> it's like, G.I. Joe. Not like messing extends. it up in any yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this big orchestral swell and like Cobra gets oh, their own refrain. You said G.I. Joe. I, for, I thought you said Transformers, which is why I said that song. I was thinking of the Transformers movie song. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Strike it from the record. still works continue. for the G.I. Joe song. Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. G.I. Joe movie. I I was obsessed with it. This is back when Blockbuster was not just a thing, but like a weekly <sighs> ritual. Yeah. yeah. And I think I rented G.I. Joe for three consecutive weeks mm -hmm. just to watch and rewatch that some bitch. I miss video store. Me too. Uh, but they still have, like, family video, but yeah. it's yeah. not the same. It's not, because there was something special about 
going to rent a movie and walking in and looking at the covers and buying candy at the checkout. It's like that episode of South Park where uh, where Randy buys a blockbuster, right? And he's like, it's the experience, Sharon. That's what they come yeah. for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Okay. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Really, okay. You've ever seen the movie Sidekicks? No. This no. this movie was a straight up copy of the Karate Kid <laughs> with um, Chuck Norris and I don't remember the kid's name who played as the kid, but he ended up killing himself. Oh wow! Oh, I don't that's deep. His name. Um, let me look it up really quick here. Jonathan Brandis. Jonathan Brandis. Yeah. Heir to the Brandis fortune. That's a joke. I don't know who Him. he is. Does he look familiar? Not from this angle. He was in a few movies. I don't remember exactly what happened. I think he hung himself. That's a shame. Yeah. That sucks. Because it, it was a... I mean, it was a fun movie. But, uh, I mean, straight rip. He played the new kid, the town, asthmatic kid who right. just moved there with his mom. No dad to be seen. Sure. Local, the guy who's running. So you can insert yourself into the fantasy. Yeah. And it's the uncle of somebody he, I think it's Winnie Cooper. It's Winnie Cooper. Uh, What's her name? I don't know. Her real name. Um, Anyway, people, you know who I'm talking about. Winnie (laughs) Cooper. Another good movie here. Uh, The Goonies. Oh, yeah. Perfect summer. And I'm glad you said that because that's going to like transition into what I say next really smooth. So please continue. No, I oh, mean, just, that, just a mere mention. We've talked about the Goonies so often on this show, we don't need to <laughs> okay, do it again. So. Fair enough. Go ahead. One of my favorite movies from the last couple of years, few years, oh, I guess it's old now. Never mind. A movie I really like, let's call it that, is uh, Super 8. Mm, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's great the way it encapsulates that vibe of, like, the kids on an adventure, you know, mm-hmm. bored young kids who need an outlet for their imagination or creativity, get caught up in something bigger than them and have this big zany adventure. Yeah. And it felt so much like, you know, the old E.T., the Goonies, all of that, like kids in peril. Yeah. You know, and something about that just feel because that's what you wanted when you were a kid. Yeah. You wanted to be in danger. You know, you wanted to fall into a cave and find treasure. You wanted to find an alien on a derailed train. You know, we talked about that with Frank Mueller. I think it we was. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With his book, Fall Streak. You just when you're a kid, like you said, right. you want to gather up the neighbor kids, get on the bike, set out for an adventure. Yeah. And you never find one. No, but that Maybe vibe. Like, is we just found a hornet's nest that. and we kicked the shit out of it. <laughs> yes, I got stung. Anyway, Billy's dead day. now. He was a legend. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, any more summer movies, guys? I'm drawing a blank now. I touched on the big ones for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's another one that I actually slipped by me was uh, Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stephen but, King. Yeah, that's a really good one, too. That it was. That it was. And there was a uh, there was like a, like a girl version of that movie, too. Now and Then had like Christina Ricci and some other girls in it. Oh, I've never seen it. I'm not a girl. Oh, <laughs> well, look at you. Good for yous. Good for yous over there. It's nearly. It's not nearly as good as like Sandlot or Stand By right. Me, but um, in that same vein, it, it had a like a dark touch to it, sure. kind of like uh, Stand By Me did yeah. with the dead body and stuff. But uh, it was good. It was good. But uh, that's all from me. What about you, Todd? Any more movies? Um, you know, I was going to mention Field of Dreams, but I watched that uh-huh. last night just to make sure. And you know, it, was, it still was nostalgic, and it's. 
Or maybe it's just like, I really want to play a game of baseball in that freaking cornfield. I don't know. <laughs> um, but there were some parts that I thought were well written before. And now that I watch it years later, I'm kind of like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Some of this is really. <laughs> but, hey, it's still a really cool baseball field. And uh, that was, I thought, a really uh, knockout job by uh, James Earl Jones, you know. Oh, for oh, sure. Yeah. I forgot he was even in that. Man. You'd be hard-pressed to find a James Earl Jones part or role yeah. that isn't fantastic. And Kevin Costner's yeah. good. I think he's so underrated. Yeah, you know, maybe he just has to be in baseball-related no? films. No? You don't agree, Jake? I, I don't, I'm making a face, viewers at home, but I don't know if I have enough conviction to fight you on this one. I think he's very, he's like right where he belongs, personally. <laughs> Well, it's not his fault he came at the time that the movies he was in came out. I mean, I guess that's that fair. Era, I mean, I weirdly enough, I see what you're saying with that. They're not great movies, but I love like the Postman way that was, too that was, long. That was no. I loved it though. It was a great movie. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, uh, what was it? Did Dance? you like Waterworld? I've never seen that. I've, I've been told to steer clear of it, and steer clear of it I have. I had Waterworld toys when I was younger. I think oh. I mentioned it on the show before. <laughs> Poor little bastard. No, dude, it was cool. I had a Dennis Hopper action figure. How many other people wow. can say that? You know? I had a Dennis Hopper action figure from Mario Brothers. Oh, fuck off. Movie. Mine was cool. It had a gun that sh- shot water. <laughs> Mine was fucking Bowser. Yeah, I guess that's cool. No, Whatever. Neither of them were cool. I don't care. Let's face the facts here. <laughs> But, all right. Um, are we good? I think we're good. Are we good? All well, right. We're always good. But. <laughs> okay. One more movie. I totally forgot. The Summer of T-Shirts. Oh, yeah. That one really swept the Oscars when it came out, didn't it? Yeah. All about a, a, uh, a group of friends who, being young and naive, start a podcast and end up sell- selling Candaya T-Shirts on Society6.com. Little did they realize... That, that was the key to unlocking their wildest dreams. Yeah, and the key to summer. That's right. These t-shirts. And all it took was the cooperation of many, many people with open bank accounts willing to shell out just a couple bucks for high-quality t-shirts. This isn't even a movie, people. This is reality. We're Whoa. bringing you reality. Did we just blow your mind? We broke the fourth wall. Yeah, there. reaching out, touching the audience. You but never inappropriate. can have a summer of t-shirts. You can have a summer of Candia t-shirts. Society6.com Make this Candia your summer pod. of t-shirts. Yes. Winter's over, people. Put the coats away. You need yeah. short sleeves. Short Candia's sleeves. got you covered. Yeah. We don't do the winter vibe. Candia is purely summer, uh, pro-summer. There we go. In case you can't keep up with the seasons, uh, we sell clocks, too, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Become a little more time conscious, you know. Sick of pouring coffee into your hand and drinking it that way? Oh, that's the worst. I we still got have coffee burns. mugs. We got coffee mugs. You're welcome, people. We got you covered. Candace got your back. Yeah. Really, we're more of a father to you than your father ever was, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so one more time, society6.com forward slash Pod. Go get some tasty munch. Thanks for sticking with us through that, Todd. Man, I wanted to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can, Todd. You can live that movie. We'll send you a link. Make the dream <laughs> real. <laughs> All right. With that Jorgen behind us, let's swing the door open to the comic vault. Oh, yeah. Yeah, boy. That's what we're going to do every comic vault for no. some reason. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like what like the like the bad radio show oh, yeah. does with like their millions their and millions board of sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Slide whistles. Ninety point seven. Thumb something yeah. or another. <laughs> anyway, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll knock mine out because it's pretty short. Knock it out. So last Comet Vault, I spoke of Karnak, first issue. Uh, it caught my eye because I had no idea who Karnak was. Mm-hmm. And the description of the comic understood that. It said, don't know who Karnak is? All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you will now. And I'm like, you got me there. You got my $2. So it was interesting. He's this sort of savant. I get this very, like, ascetic, monkish vibe from him. His hands are bandaged. He wears a hooded jacket. Mm. Um, he can decapitate men with two fingers. He has some supernatural knowledge of human pressure points to the point where he uh, made a man's liver explode by pressing his stomach. Again, two fingers. Right. Uh, Every time he kicks or punches someone, they are bisected. I saw him punch an assault rifle out of someone's hand so hard that the shards of metal killed three other people. So this guy's very physically powerful, and he's also a huge asshole. He's, <laughs> Great combination. Oh, yeah. He's brilliant and analytical. He's the master of some inhuman, like, the inhumans, like that faction right. within Marvel, uh, refuge of, like, introspection and philosophy called the Tower of Wisdom, which I guess built, was, on, was built on the ruins of Adelan or something. And um, his angle, and I think the name of the series is that he says his power is he can see the flaw in all things. Like, that's the root of his power. He sees the flaw in a weapon, in a person, in a wall, and this allows him to destroy them. You know, he's Karnak the Shatterer, that's what they call him. And so every time he encounters someone, he's telling them, he's got this little thing, he says, like, I am Karnak, master of the Tower of the Wisdom. I see the flaw in all things. Never forget who I am. Like they are, you know. But uh, in the second one, he's been tasked by Agent Coulson to track down a boy who's undergoing terrogenesis and is thus just slightly outside of their jurisdiction. So he thought, let me bring in the biggest asshole I know, this Karnak figure, see if he can help us. So he uh, figures out what weird paramilitary group. It's like some bastard subset of uh, AIM that's like yeah. gone underground and they've got like a sleeper cell operation now. And so Karnak infiltrates their compound. And by infiltrates, I mean he literally kicks down the metal doors and starts killing people on his way to the bottom. Um, and he finds this little boy who's been abducted, a, a sort of cult has sprang up around him. There's this group of people that believe that at the end of his terogenesis, he's going to be some messianic figure. They believe he's at the core of of creation. He'll have some insight into the meaning of the universe. Mm -hmm. And he meets this fanatical priest, and he's Karnak, so he already knows he's smarter than him. He's like, listen, this is stupid, you're stupid. Everyone's stupid, I am Karnak. Like, everything he says, you can pretty much condense down to that phrase. And... This is my favorite panel in the whole comic. The uh, the priest looks at him and he says, I know of you, Karnak the Shatterer. You have many gifts and powers. I, too, have many abilities. And he holds up his hand as though he's, like, mimicking the gesture of holding, like, a rifle or a shotgun. And then this bolt of red lightning fires from his hands. Karnak dodges it, obviously. He says, Zen gunnery, a gift of my masters. Wow. <laughs> like you've heard of Zen archery. Well, here's Zen gunnery, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Yeah, so some redneck wizard somewhere pioneered the art of Zen gunnery. And he has this little battle with this priest, and uh, he wounds him, Karnak does. And uh, they have this 
conversation, which was really interesting, about why abduct the child? Why is he the answer? And Karnak leans in on this priest who's bleeding to death, and he says, look, I, I see the flaw in all things. I see your flaw is that you're a man of conviction and discipline, but you've got nowhere to direct that. So you're looking for a supernatural cause. You need something to validate your existence and the effort you've put into the world around you. So you've chosen this child, whether he's special or not, because that's something that validates everything you've done. And by the end, the priest is just like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, he uh-huh. just like comes to term with it. And then he dies because Karnak touches his forehead and his entire head explodes. And it's really brutal. So this was like a continuation from what? A continuation of the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to so, look into this character. Yeah, I need to he know what happens cool. in the third one because it's cool as hell. Karnak. Very cool. Never forget who he is. Nor will I. No, it's good. He'd Very cool. Todd, would you like to go next? Sure. Yeah, that Karnak sounds pretty violently interesting, though. It is. It's both of those things. <laughs> awesome. Um, I have gone back recently and pulled out all my um, issues of Negative Burn, the anthology that Gary Reed was publishing um, over at Caliber during the uh, 90s. Um, I don't know if you guys were familiar with that anthology, but um, no. Gary Reed rest soul. Um, yeah, it was... Um, he owned, Gary Reed owned a bookstore, um, and I want to say they were, were they in, uh, maybe they were in Texas or in Michigan or something, but uh, he started publishing independent comics, like, man, this was early, man, like, you know, in the the late 80s, early 90s, under the banner um, of Caliber Comics, and, um, you know, all these Marvel movies that we're seeing and all the Marvel comics, like the Ultimates that pretty much rebooted Marvel, it, it wouldn't have been possible probably had it not been for Caliber Comics because it's where um, guys like Brian Bendis really honed their craft. Um, most of Brian Bendis's early work was all published under the Caliber banner, you know, his um, the Goldfish series and the Jinx series. Mm-hmm. Um, and before he went on and started doing stuff in Marvel, but yeah, I've been just going back and reading these issues of Negative Burn, and man, just to see all the talent that had been contributing at the time. Um, some of them had already broken out in the mainstream by then, like Brian Boland. You know, guys like Phil Hester and, like I said, uh, Brian Bendis, Michael Avon Oming, those guys were just you know, still doing their self-published indie gigs, and to see all this work that they had contributed um, to this series, it's it's just really awesome, and there are so many other talents in this anthology that that um, were featured that I I don't even know what happened to them, but they were just really great artists and great storytellers. But uh, yeah, I think some of the um, issues have been reprinted by Image um, as collected versions, but uh, that was one of the best anthologies around like um because i kind of grew up reading anthologies i really got into house of mystery and house of secrets as a kid like i didn't really get into superheroes until like the 90s you know right i feel like yeah, negative, negative burn has come up on the um, show before i feel like it has that name sounds kind of familiar yeah, i just love it really that rings a bell right yeah it's um man and it started out just as you know your typical kind of i think it was like uh the first two or three issues were just your typical 32-page uh, interior comic book format, but um, they eventually got to be like, you know, over 100 pages quite regularly, too. 
Um, so the book had some decent success and some uh, decent longevity before they uh, closed Caliber. I might have to look for that. I'm, Absolutely. I say that all the time, but I, <laughs> you I really do want to look for this. Yeah. Should I not say that? We anymore? should put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> but no, we all look say that. it, though. Yeah. Well, I do, though. I really want to look into these books, and this one especially. It sounds awesome. That's one of the... It's not quite a negative, but we... We're introduced to so many cool things to the people we have on the show. We literally cannot keep up with them. Yeah, and my my bank account can't uh, keep <laughs> yeah, up either. <laughs> That's but, the upper limit, right there, is the yeah. bank account. But I do slowly, like every time I'm out, if I see a title oh, that somebody's sure. talked about on the show, I will grab it. Someone so. puts a bug in your ear, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So very cool. All right. Well, um, my I'm giving my spot this week over to uh, Chris Callahan over at SourcePoint Press to talk about a uh, Kickstarter. Just really quick, mention a Kickstarter they have up going till April 28th for a book called The Misplaced. Misplaced. And uh, the description for it is, In the aftermath of a uh, horrific tragedy, a young man pushes through the afterlife searching for his lost bride. And um, I kind of got, and I can't say that it's uh, anywhere even close to this, but just kind of from that description, a glance at it, a uh, what dreams may come kind of vibe. Oh, sure, yeah. But um, this is a gorgeous oh, it's freaking book. I, uh, I don't even know how to describe the art style. It's almost like composite. You've got images that look almost CG with like this very painterly backdrop. And yeah, but then there's some of it that looks like a, like inlaid like photographs. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to explain, but it is beautiful. It'll and make an impression if you see it, that's for certain. For uh, it, This art style is perfect for the topic. The, oh, of no the question. Book, you know, for like the wandering through the afterlife and yeah. purgatory, wherever exactly you're led through. It's I, like I, I want to read this. I feel bad I haven't had a chance to read it quite yet. But um, yeah, again, till April 28th on Kickstarter, go uh, so give them some love. Show them some love. Uh, this, they've already met their goal. But they're trying to hit stretch goals, and uh, one of which being, if I think they're nearing, if they hit a certain amount, you get a free copy of the book Fall Streak that we mentioned a little bit yeah, earlier in the episode by Frank Mueller, which really uh, rings in the same vein as uh, what was it, Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was really, really cool. If you great dig Stranger book. Things, then this is right up your alley. Yeah, great book. So um, even more incentive to support it. But yeah, check it out. There's a video on there that you can watch. Yeah. Highly recommend it. The Misplaced, the Collected Edition from SourcePoint Press. It's well worth your time. Absolutely. And I think that's going to do it for the Comic Vault. So let's just turn our full attention over to Todd and talk about Kindred Homecoming. Thanks so much for being with us, Todd. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Now, this was an interesting project to... uh, check out i mean i've never really seen anything like it at least in the comic book world uh, it looks like it's a kind of a an unofficial continuation of a movie from uh, the 80s but at the same time it, it hones likenesses of actual people which you see in like uh you're starting to see a lot in like video games i've seen kevin yeah. spacey and uh oh yeah uh, the, the guy who played uh iceman in the x-man movies like where they where they put the celebrity into right, right. into the I think video after game. like L.A. Noir that became the big thing to do. Right. Well, in this medium, they're doing the same thing, but putting them into comics. Yeah. So before I just tell everything that you're here to tell, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about Kindred? 
<laughs> You're doing such a good job, though. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kindred Homecomings is, like you said, is um, loosely based around a movie that came out in 1986 um, called The Kindred. Um, it's funny how you had mentioned earlier about seeing a, a preview on some VHS cassette that you had, um, you know, rented and said, oh my gosh, that movie. Yeah, and so that happened to me. I had seen some probably horrible movie via VHS, but I remember seeing this uh, trailer for this Kindred film and it was put together so sharply that I was just like, oh my gosh, that that movie looks awesome. And you know, it like came and went and uh, I forgot about it until much later. And then uh, I eventually did rent it and it was it was such a letdown that, uh, <laughs> and it, it was really sad too, because I had invited some of my friends over. I said, yeah, all right, this is gonna be awesome. This movie looks really creepy. It's got a great monster concept behind it. You guys are gonna love it. And, and we just, we just all fucking hated it. It was terrible. <laughs> Isn't that the worst feeling? <laughs> Especially terrible. when you're so gung-ho about it. Oh, like yeah. You, it rings back to earlier Batman and Robin, right. how excited yeah. I was for that news. Oh, and the letdown. When you hit bottom, it oh. measures on the Richter scale. We feel for you, Todd. Now, was this a yeah. theatrical release movie in 86, or is this like a B movie, or do you do you even know? Um, It did hit the theaters for, I want to say, a blink of an eye. I mean, not even a cup of coffee. And then... <laughs> Because when you watch the film, it really looks like it was done at the Universal lot and probably done when everybody involved had a weekend off or something, you know? Right. Um, but uh, it did make it to the theaters. I, again, I don't even really remember seeing the uh, solicitations in the newspapers to be able to bug my parents to take me to see it. So, um, yeah, again, by the time I remembered it, it was, I saw it sitting there on the uh, the shelf at the rental place. Like, oh my gosh, there's that movie I saw the, the trailer for. Um, so the movie itself is all about a crazy old lady who, well, maybe she's brilliant, but this woman who um, is into genetic splicing. And so like right in the eighties, that's like, we knew nothing really publicly about genetic splicing. So it was pretty fascinating, but, um, yeah, and she ends up creating a bunch of fucking monsters, whatever. But um, so it could have been such a much better story, right? It's a great concept. Right. Sounds but, like um, the island of Dr. Moreau kind of. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, that was a much better movie, though, huh? Right. Um, <laughs> but it, this movie just ended so horribly, and it, it, it I mean, it couldn't have even made, like, uh, you know movie of the week on ABC back then. I, I sort of like took it upon myself as a personal mission to like say, oh, if that ever, ever gets redone, uh, I'd love to do the comic adaptation of it. But um, I searched and I searched and you know, I can't find out, I can't find who owns the uh, North American rights to the actual um, 80s film. Um, there has been a release on DVD that was like maybe two inches away from bootleg uh, that was released in Germany. Um, literally, you guys, this this DVD, it looks like someone had a uh, VHS 
cassette and uh, left the camera running in front of the TV. That's the quality. <laughs> Good. Oh my God. Uh, seriously. Yeah. It, yeah. So it really just fell off the face of of, um, of the planet as far as uh, raid the entertainment radar went. So. Um, Rather than just blatantly <laughs> ripping it off, I decided to uh, do a sort of sequel um, loosely based around it. Um, for the fans of the first movie, they will catch a lot of the references, but this one is basically about a uh, young up-and-coming actress who lives in the Los Angeles area. She's just um, inherited some property, some beachfront property in a... Uh, sort of tiny coastal California town from her estranged grandmother. Um, her plans are to go up there, renovate the property and sell it ASAP. But once she gets up there and she spends her first night in the house, she starts hearing things in the walls and kind of realizes that uh, it's something way bigger than your common pest. Um, so kind of goes from there. She enlists the help of the local sheriff and uh, together they kind of go through the house and eventually find out what the heck this thing is and then uh, how to rid of it. Looks like it's available on the website too in a uh, web comic form, correct? Yes, what we decided to do was host six preview pages, enough to hopefully entice buyers to picking up the actual printed book, which is also available on uh, snug.com, uh, snugcomics.com. So um, we've been taking pre-orders for the last few weeks, and that's been going okay. But uh, what we'd really like to do is be able to um, distribute this book ourselves rather than go through a mainstream distribution, hopefully enough to uh, get all three issues out. You know, even on like a minimal distribution level would be great. Now, one thing that's really uh, got my interest peaked, as I already mentioned, is the your choice to use the likenesses of uh, one actress, Jamie Bernadette, and uh, Juliet Miranda from the Unwritable Rant podcast. What was it that uh, first inspired you to use the likeness of real people, and two, why these two people? Well, because you know, <laughs> most of the characters that are in the comics on snugcomics.com, um, if not all of them, are based off of uh, my friends. Um, and originally that was just sort of a gimmick to uh, get them to read the comics, you know? Um, oh, I see. But, uh, but eventually the gimmick kind of worked really well. And so in this latest one, um, I was having a really, really hard time trying to figure out exactly who I would model these characters after. And um, the whole podcast universe is sort of um, new to me. Like, I've only really been listening to podcasts for, let's say, the last half year. But I happened to start listening to Juliet's podcast, The Unwritable Rant. And um, her personality that came through was just, <laughs> was just so strong. Yeah, she's and got a good so, show. Yeah, and just so real at the same time. And I was just like, you know what? This is exactly how I want the sheriff character to be in Kindred. Um, and so even though I had uh, come up with different designs for the character, eventually it was like, no, you know, I just need to reach out to Juliet and see if she'd be interested because I, it's not going to be, it's not going to be represented, represented the way that, it should be or that this character should be because really I, I mean whenever I was writing her situations or her dialogue I was listening to her show and just like oh my god this woman is so badass you know right <laughs> 
No, uh, for sure. I uh, I enjoy that show. I've heard it a few times, and um, no, she's got a good format, and she's good at what she does. I really like her. I have not ever seen uh, Jamie Bernadette, though, in anything. She was in I Spit in Your Grave, though, correct? She's the heir to the Bernadette fortune. Oh, is that right? That's correct. I, I would love to be an heir of one of these uh, random fortunes, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a joke that never really caught on with the people around me, but I, I still keep trying. I think it's funny, man. Look at that. See, you heard it here first, everybody. I didn't say it wasn't funny. Everybody in my life. It's a funny joke, Todd says so. Pointing at me all accusatory right here? I like... was pointing in general. Not oh, I see. Me. Yeah, no. Okay. You smiled. You gave me a, a smirk like, oh, God bless him, he's trying. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I might use that as some dialogue one day. That's pretty cool. You I know? give you full permission to do so. All right, great. Put it on a t-shirt now. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> Society6.com forward slash candidpod. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I um, started looking at uh, who was kind of working the independent um, cinema film festivals in this area and on the West Coast, Jamie's name kept coming up. And um, so I started watching some of her movies and yeah, she's... She's great. She does a lot of hard work, and uh, she really went out there and, and represented her product really hard too, man. She she's like always popping up at so many festivals to promote independent film work, and uh, I think it's so awesome. But yeah, um, it really is cool. But just because she was also involved in so many of these uh, indie horror movies. Um, yeah, she was the perfect person to reach out to. Uh, but yeah, she she was really um, responsive and was into the idea. So I was glad that uh, she was on board as well from the beginning. I feel like when I saw her picture, uh, I have seen her in movies before, but I, I can't place what I've seen her in exactly. One of those but, faces, I suppose. Yeah. Now, uh, aside from just Kindred, uh, let's touch on snugcomics.com a little bit. You have a bunch of different web comics on there available for people to look at. Are all these from you? Are you producing all of these comics? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> in one way or another, you know, but um, I'm not doing them all at once. Like, for example, uh, Action Hero Mandy, the art and the story was finished so long ago. I want to say like back in 2013, maybe 14. Um but then I just got involved with other projects or got, you know, busy with work or other crazy o OCD, ADD things and, like, never <laughs> on Action Hero Mandy again. And um, that kind of happened from, like, 2010 to about 2013. Um, I uh, ended up getting a couple different issues produced and then never went back to letter them. So now... Um, I'm kind of using Snug Comics as a platform um, just to launch them, only because before the whole marketing idea and business model for indie comics was you put out your stuff and you go and you solicit at independent shows and you you get a table and you sit behind there and you pitch your wares if you can, you know? Um, that got really taxing and tedious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, like after you're paying for your exhibit fees and you're paying for your parking and your your lunch or your meals or your drinks with friends, um, oh, and yeah, oh, you got to pay for your product too that's going on the table. It's like, oh, okay, 
and I'm paying the artists that are doing it's like holy cow I'm in the wrong business man I need to like go into the making money business um, <laughs> two ends of a spectrum making comics yeah. and making money <laughs> <laughs> um, so eventually and I became open to the idea of putting everything up online and I wish I had done that sooner just because I was a little bit resistant to it before because why give away things for free right um, but I'm also seeing that, well, once it's online, people will stumble upon it or people will get referred to it or people will need a random distraction while they're at work for five minutes, you know? Sure. Um, it was the, um, well, just the opportunity to get the stories in front of new readers who weren't going to be um, picky about what independent stories they would read because uh, a lot of people still if they've never heard of it they're not going to give it you know a shot right and which is a shame because you miss out on so many good stories that's a fact yeah it's really too bad but um but the internet definitely has given i think a lot of independent creators the uh the environment to kind of show their wares and not go broke you know um right so this new approach with trying to not set up at local comic conventions is kind of new to me. Um, and trying to get people behind the product just based on um, website visibility or social media visibility um, is really new. So um, I, I really got to tip my hat to uh, David over at the Unwritable Rant for um you know, really helping me market this product much better than I ever could have dreamed. Sure. Uh, but then that's been a really, um, a huge benefit to this project too, because before if I put something up and like project 17 has probably been the most successful self-published book because we're able to uh, reprint it multiple times and it still pays for itself. But that wasn't based on pre-orders. That was based on, you know, hustling and being at shows every weekend until people finally said, oh, okay, let's give this guy's product a try, you know? Sure. Um, this is the first time I've ever been involved with the independent comic book project uh, where there's actually buzz before the thing gets pushed in front of my face. So, um, Right. And another thing at cons, too, that uh, I think can play against an artist are people's, especially in the niche we're talking, you know, comic readers, not that everyone is, but the socially awkward people who, you know, might see it and might be like, oh, man, that's it looks cool. But, oh, I don't want to go talk to anyone. Right. You know, this being on the Internet, you know, is a great way for like he's saying, for everyone to check it out at their leisure. It's a lot less intimidating. You know, there when you, you have to look a person in the face and make an assessment on the art they're putting forward, uh, it's it's hard to be objective. There's so many things working. Not that the conventions aren't a great way to market and get your stuff oh, out sure. there, but there are also a lot of things working against you. You know, if it's a busy con, just the yeah. flow of the people can prevent you from stopping at a table. Got to keep moving. Got to keep the line moving. You might say at a convention there are <clears> many <throat> pros and cons all oh, this guy. Oh, <laughs> That's the level of quality and retainment that Canned Air brings to the table. I almost fell out of my fucking chair. I saw it. Uh, you came dangerously close. 
I'll try and tone back the humor levels a little. I don't want to endanger my co-host. Anymore, I might piss myself. <laughs> Whoa. You guys really provide some classy, high-level entertainment. That's what we do. That's what we're all about. That's Candea. Candeapodcast.com. <laughs> so, uh, so, Kindred Homecoming, when, uh, when and where? I'm supposing it's available now for, down, uh, for purchase, correct? Yes, you could go to snugcomics.com, and there is a pre-order form there. We have three different versions. You could buy just the book, or you could buy the book and a poster, or you could buy the book and uh, a poster signed by either Julia or Jamie. Um, the actual book will be available on April 27th. Um, that's when I get it back from my print vendor. So uh, then the rest of that afternoon, I'll be sending it out to everybody. Um, but yeah, we can be reached at snugcomics.com. Um, the Twitter account is at snugwork. So any questions or any inquiries can always be sent there. Amazing. And this is all information uh, we're going to be retweeting and uh, putting on the website as well. So uh, trying to make it as easy for people to get over there as possible. Todd, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking time again to be with us here on the show. And I also want to uh, tell the listeners, you know, after you check out everything at Snug Comics, also uh, check out the Unwritable Rant podcast. It is a good show. Uh, she's she's very funny, and I just, um, I don't know how to describe it. She's very, very bold, I guess. Yeah. Is that a, is that a good word? I think bold's... Um, yeah, I think bold is a really good way, but comes she's mind, also... Confident comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, but there's that hint of self depreciation there. So she's not, she's not, you know what I mean? She's not high horse enough to where she won't talk about, like, I don't know, the time she pukes in a trash can or something. (laughs) Right. And it's good to temper boldness with a little humility, you know? And she brings a, uh, like, a new drink, I think, to the table. Each Which week. I always appreciate. Yeah, and tells you what she's drinking and everything. Uh, I'm starting a, a promising career in alcoholism, doing what go. I can to build up my resume there. So. Well, let me help you along, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow. How can oh. I donate to that? <laughs> oh, it's so easy. <laughs> All right. Todd, once again, thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me. That was fun. Jake, what do we have on the website? Check out candarepodcast.com for new and past episodes, our wall of special guests, and our new fantastic line of merch. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at candarepod and Instagram on canned underscore air. Want to be featured on the show? Check out our contacts page for more info. Also, give our YouTube page a look. We're going to be putting a lot of work into that in the coming mm-hmm. months. We've got some awesome stuff down the line, some uh, some feature-length offerings from your friends at Candare, among yes. many others. Very much in the vein of, well, not in the vein. We're blatantly ripping off (laughs) uh, Mystery Science Theater, and we are ripping over our own public domain movies. Do you guys like the professionalism and wit that goes into a Mystery Science Theater episode? So do we. We're going to copy it. (laughs) Get ready to watch an episode without the professionalism or wit. Oh, it's going to be good. It's still funny. No, we're having a great time. We're doing a good job with it. So, uh... We'll see what the, the the viewers think. And then also we're going to be, uh, i tell you what, the, the public domain. What a oh, well to be tapped into. Indeed. Man. We're going to be posting a bunch of uh, public domain Popeye cartoons, Superman cartoons, Looney Tune, Merry Melodies. This is some good shit. They you want to be your anything. go-to source for nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're getting there. I want the YouTube to eventually be like something that you can just open, hit, play, and have a good time. Continually just watch Candia TV. 
So, anyway. Society6.com forward slash Pod. Get that tasty t-shirt. Do it now. If you know what's good for you. I think that's all we got for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Todd Tochilka. Thanks for listening, everyone. Everyone watch me! I'll never learn to jet ski. And yet you keep trying. Scarlet! That's like your sixth try. You obviously don't have any talent. Have you thought of giving up? Maybe I should just try again. Maybe you should try listening to Canned Air Podcast. Well, at least now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Hey, since we're going to cut this out, it'd be a good time to talk about my uh, political opinions. Okay, sure. <laughs> so anyway, here's my view on abortion. And okay. 92. Fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> the Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War. But half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.